and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast. I am Carolina Toth, and today I have a guest called Greg Dick, and he's been a software engineering manager at Huddle for quite a while, for over seven years. Welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you here, and let us start by having you talk about yourself a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, first, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here to to talk about this. Um, so yes, my name is Greg Dick. I'm I'm married and I have two kids. Uh, my wife and I were actually celebrating our 15 year anniversary this summer in a couple of weeks. So that's that's pretty exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so my kids, they're they're 12 and nine, and we've we've all been cooped up in our house this entire pandemic. So now that we have some vaccines, we're we're excited to go out and and do some fun things again. For work, like you mentioned, I'm, I'm an engineering manager at Huddle. I'm located in Lincoln, Nebraska, kind of the, the middle of the US. Uh, that's where our headquarters is. Um, so I actually got my degree in electrical engineering, uh, but I pivoted to software shortly after college. So like you mentioned, I've been at Huddle for a little over seven years. I've been a manager for about six of those years. There was actually a time where I didn't think I wanted to be a manager. I really wanted to be an individual contributor, but I took an opportunity to become a manager and I, I really fell in love with it. I really enjoy using the things that I've learned to help others become better engineers and better team members. Um, and I also really value the relationships that I build with my engineers. You know, That's something that I didn't realize I was going to love so much until I started doing it. And then outside of work, uh, when the pandemic started, I, I kind of picked up a couple new hobbies. I think a lot of people have done that, um, and I've still been going pretty strong with them. I, I got really into chess. It's kind of funny. A lot I've seen a lot of people have gotten really into chess for some reason. It's become very popular on Twitch. I also I got bit by the nostalgia bug, and I started collecting and, and fixing old video game consoles. That was a big part of my life growing up, and I got to use some of that electrical engineering stuff that I learned in college that I've kind of left behind. I get to use some of that now in, in this hobby. Um, and then probably the most interesting thing that I started during the pandemic was I started a podcast with a coworker. It doesn't actually have anything to do with engineering or management. It's more of just kind of a fun thing, but it's called coworking. And the premise was that we would talk about a lot of the random topics that would normally come up in the office, just normal chit chat. And since we were all working from home, we weren't really getting any of that. We just, you know, we weren't talking about that in our meetings and we wanted to have an outlet for that and to, and to share some of those conversations with our, our friends and coworkers. So been working on that. We actually just wrapped up our, our first year's worth of content on that. So that's been pretty fun. So uh, that's kind of me, what's going on in my life right now. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Um, with that said, that topic is in touch with our topic for today's conversation. We are going to talk about integrating remote engineers. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we are all remote right now, but there were yeah. times when we weren't all remote. Let's start by defining what we mean by remote engineers, non-remote engineers, and the hybrid team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in my mind, a remote engineer is somebody, they're not necessarily working from their home. We have a lot of remote engineers that work in a shared space somewhere. So they may be in an office setting with other individuals, but they're not in that setting with people that they actually work with or people that are really part of the same company. So when I think of a remote engineer, I do typically think of somebody that's in a space where they more or less feel alone um, and they're relying on communication mostly over the internet. Maybe there's still some companies that are relying on phone calls for their remote engineers. I hope not, but maybe they still exist. But yeah, so when I think of a remote engineer, I think of somebody that's kind of on their island somewhere physically uh, away from the rest of the people they work with. 
And then um, a non-remote uh, individual is somebody that they are actually, you know, physically sitting with or near people that they work with directly. They can have in-person conversations all the time with those people that they're working with. And then the hybrid is kind of this situ interesting situation. I think it's interesting where you may have a bunch of people that are in the office together. They are not remote at all. And some people that are remote, they're not in the office. And I don't think this was very common before the pandemic. And then the pandemic started and we, we all became remote. And a lot of people realized, I, I think a lot of people before the pandemic thought remote is not for me. I can't do it. I, I can't sit in my home and do this every day. And then after being forced into it for a year, they're like, okay, I guess I can do it. Or maybe even I like it and I want to keep doing it. So once this pandemic ends, I think there, this hybrid situation is going to become very common where companies think that we, you know, we want to support our employees that have decided that they would like to live from home or, or work from home. They don't want to give up their lack of a commute anymore. They just appreciate all those benefits and we want to keep them on. So we're going to support remote, but we also have an office space and we want to have people come into the office. So, you know, they're going to go for hybrid. And I think that can be a really big challenge because it is much different in my mind than fully remote where everybody's in the same boat of, you know, we're all working out of our homes. It's much different when you're on that island and a bunch of your coworkers are not, they're all together in that office. Right. Thank you for clarifying that for all of us. Let's talk about the differences between integrating people who are completely remote or integrating people who are in a hybrid kind of workspace? Yeah. So when it's completely remote, whatever onboarding that you do, it's always going to be Zoom calls with a bunch of other people that they each have their own little screen on that Zoom call. Everybody's kind of in the same setting. They all hear the same audio. They all have to deal with the, the lag over the internet. Also, people aren't doing things off of Zoom calls. They're not doing things together off of Zoom calls. So you're not missing out on anything, really, if you're the person that's trying to be onboarded or, or integrated. Whereas in the hybrid situation, if you're the remote person, hopefully you're not the only remote person, but if you are, that's that can be pretty rough. Um, I've seen situations where you know, maybe we have a new orientation class, a new group of people have started, maybe there's 10 of them. And one of them, for some reason, wasn't able to travel into the office for their orientation. And so they're going to be remote for that, that first two weeks of orientation. And so the meeting room kind of looks like this. You have this big table and you've got 10 people sitting around this table and you've got a TV kind of on one side. So the remote person, they're on that TV. And you know, people aren't typically looking at that TV. They're not directing their conversations toward that TV. And so that remote person, they may end up just kind of feeling like a fly on the wall instead of, you know, an engaged participant in, in all those conversations that are happening in that orientation. So I think engagement is quite a bit more difficult in that hybrid environment where you have a bunch of people fully engaged in an office setting. And then the, you know, this remote person is, like I said, they're kind of off on their island and it, it's it's more of a challenge to keep them engaged. It, it takes a lot more effort. And I think people forget that. All right. So this is about orientation and getting up to speed at the company mm -hmm. and at meetings. From an individual contributor's uh, perspective, what are some of the key challenges or, or what are the benefits of, of working remotely or working in a hybrid team? So, I mean, in terms of benefits for an individual working remotely, it's the flexibility. You don't have to worry about driving into an office. You can live wherever you want to live. Usually we get a lot of people that they feel very tied to their location because of family, which is very understandable. I would never ask somebody to move and leave behind a bunch of family, especially if they have children. Their family is usually their support group. Moving a family with children across the country 
is very daunting. I can't imagine trying to do it myself. So that's a big piece of it is being able to hire people that live anywhere. And then of course, for that individual, when there are a lot of remote opportunities, there's always doors available to, to work for, you know, whatever company is, is supporting that. In terms of challenges, I mentioned engagement. I do think that engagement is the biggest challenge, especially in that hybrid environment. So when I first started at Huddle about seven years ago, we were 100% in office. I don't think we really had, uh, no, I take it back. We had a few remote people, but they had started in office and then moved away. And so they had already built up relationships with a lot of, a lot of people in the company. And then it was shortly after I started was when we really started to hire remote people. But most of our teams were, you know, if a team had seven people, it would be like at least five of them were in the office and then maybe one or two were remote. And we had a lot of growing pains during that time. One of the growing pains was time zones. <laughs> we, I remember when we hired somebody in London, when everybody else on that team was based in Nebraska, which is central time zone in America. And, uh, you know, only like five hours of the workday, if that overlapped. And so we would try to cram meetings, all the important things in that overlapping time. But then we, we missed out on a lot of the other valuable overlapping time for things like pair programming. Shoot, even pair programming over the internet was new to us at the time. And that was a challenge. You know, how do we do this? We can have one person just screen share and other people talk about what they're seeing. You know, eventually there were some pretty good tools that got created through uh, Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code where we can, it facilitates a lot better, but that was all new to us then. So there were growing pains there of how do we uh, actually collaborate well with this person who's remote. And then I think probably the, I would call it the most sneakiest challenge was how do we make that person feel included in everything that we do? So much of what we would do in the office, you know, I mentioned the, the chit chat, the stuff that, that I talked about on, on my podcast, the stuff that normally happens every day in an office, they weren't getting to be a part of that because we were still just talking about it verbally in the office. And then we might be in a meeting later and somebody brings up a joke about something that we had all talked about in office and the, the remote person, they're not in on it. it. They feel like an outsider to this inside joke. That was a really big challenge as well. How do we keep them included in everything so that they feel like a valued member of the team? Right. Thank you for sharing those examples. And now let's talk about some of the some of the things that one can do to counter those challenges and to to make sure that software engineers are integrated and mm -hmm. and how do you how do you integrate them in the office chit chat if in any way yeah so one of the biggest things that we did at huddle early on is we tried to level up our equipment to to make meetings better for our remote people so our IT team, they, uh, they tested out tons of different equipment for cameras and microphones in our meeting rooms so that it could feel as, as much as it can feel like you're in that room with everybody. Uh, you know, I talked about that meeting room where there's 10 people around a table and a TV off to the side. We tried to rearrange our room so that the TV was more of the focus so that everybody would naturally direct their conversation toward the TV. That helped quite a bit. Another thing we did, we got everybody laptops with cameras, and we also got everybody headsets if they didn't have their own headset. And we encouraged people to experience what it's like to be the remote person in the meeting. I remember the first time that I saw somebody do this, it would have been like 2015. I was on a small team of five people. Four of us were in the office and one was remote out of California. And we would normally have the four of us sit in a room in the office and the, the person out of California, he would be just remote on the TV. And we were about to go into one of these meetings and our uh, project manager, he grabbed his laptop and he left the room and I go, what are you doing? 
he's like, I'm going to join this meeting from a phone booth. That's what we call it. We have these little like individual rooms where just one person can stand in there. We call them phone booths. And he said, I'm going to go to a phone booth and join remotely uh, just so I can be on the, the same level as our remote person. And so I can better understand what it's like to be that remote person. And I had never thought of this. I had never even thought that there could be challenges of being on the other end of that. And so after that moment, I tried it a few times. I started to learn more about what it can be like. Maybe the audio just kind of blips in there. And so you got to spend some brain power just to figure out what got said. It just takes more energy to keep up with the conversation or dealing with latency. This was something that I didn't recognize at first, but, uh, you know, when two individuals or a group of individuals are talking in person, humans have gotten so good at recognizing all the cues for when it's my turn to talk or when there's an opening to talk. And it's, a, it's just a split second. It's a super fast thing. But when you have any amount of latency over the internet, you're, you're missing those opportunities. Somebody else in the room is taking those opportunities. And so it can be hard to find a moment where you get to talk. And when you're always a person in the room, you don't think about that. I certainly didn't think about it. And so I, I didn't think, hey, let's give an opportunity for a remote person to speak up. And so I started to do more of that. And a lot of other people did as well. We raised awareness of it and we started to look for cues. We would actually start to watch for, in Zoom, we'd see the little mute icon. And if somebody unmuted, people were in the room were paying attention to that. And they would say, even if that person got cut off, somebody else started talking, we would notice that this other person, remote person, had unmuted and say, hey, did you have something to say? I noticed you unmuted. And that helped out a lot. And so we, we started to get better <laughs> at uh, you know, having good, productive meetings with our remote members. You'd also ask about, you know, how do we start to include them in the chit chat? A big part of this was trying to move all of our conversations to Slack. And so there were times where it felt weird that, you know, I'm sitting literally three feet away from this other person and I want to ask them a question or maybe even just tell them a joke. It was weird to think I should put this in Slack instead so that, you know, the remote members of my team can be a part of it and feel like they're a part of it. I remember there was a, another moment at Huddle. This was this was after I had you know, gone through a lot of this experience with a remote team member. I joined this other team and the whole team was doing a lot of Slack direct messaging to each other. Or the members in office, they were doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversation. And they did, this team also had a remote member out of California, it was a different different guy out of California. And I brought up like, hey, I think we should keep a lot of these messages in the Slack room. Even if you don't think anybody else cares about it, there's a lot of value in just raising visibility of these conversations. And that guy out of California said, yeah, I actually, I would appreciate it a lot because there are days, entire days would go by and there'd be maybe like two Slack messages in that team's channel. And so he said that often he would feel very lonely, like he is out on an island by himself and there's just not a lot of chatter going on. And so the team started doing more of that, just everything. Even if you just need to ping one member of the team and you think nobody else cares about it, you put it in the team channel. And a lot of people noticed the things they thought nobody else would care about they do actually care about, right. you know, even if they don't have a strong opinion about it, just knowing about it, hearing about it, it was very valuable to those members. And so it started with a lot of the work conversations and then it naturally evolved into the non-work conversations. If somebody mentions a joke or, or they saw a funny video on the internet, it became a lot more natural to share it in that Slack channel. And then what happened, and I thought this was really interesting, a lot of these teams that were doing this, they ended up creating two Slack channels, one for the work conversations and one for the fun conversations. And, and so they never had to feel bad about 
like interrupting a work conversation by posting something funny or some just something fun in, in that other Slack channel. And so over time, it just became a lot more natural for people to do all of these things that they would normally do in verbal conversations in an office to just do them in Slack. And then what often happened in the office is people were talking about the things happening in Slack, and then people are quick jumping on the computer to go also hop into what's happening in Slack. How awesome. What I hear is that a lot of the work that you have been doing is about raising awareness and making sure that every team member, of course, all of us have been in a mostly remote work environment for, mm -hmm. for the past year or so. But a lot of it is about keeping the awareness that we had about our situation when we were working remotely and bringing it back to a hybrid work environment and mm -hmm. making sure that all of the changes that we had to make are conscious changes and will help us on the, on the long run when we work in a hybrid environment. Do you agree with that? Is it like a lot of awareness making, raising? Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, I think for a lot of companies that will soon be moving from fully remote to a hybrid, I feel like there's a trap waiting for them where a lot of those individuals think that, or, or the company, maybe company leadership feels like we were successful fully remote. So we will be successful in a hybrid without any new effort. And I think that's wrong. I think that the people that do come back to the office, they need to recognize and be aware of the differences, the subtleties of being the remote person in a hybrid team versus being in a fully remote team. And I think it will take people in the office to kind of step up, to look for those cues, like I mentioned of, hey, this remote person is trying to talk but they're not able to because of everybody that's in the room together, uh, they're hogging up all the conversation. Or, you know, people in the office recognize like, hey, this is like a really fun conversation we're having right now. We should move it to Slack so other people can be involved with it. Or, you know, we should include our remote members on this. I think that a, a lot of people may end up going back to the office and just completely forget about everything that they've done for the past you know, year and a half of being remote and just kind of instantly flip a switch and get back into fully in office mode where all they want to do is have verbal conversations with yes. their coworkers. We've all been deprived of that. That's for yeah. sure. With that said, how do you think about um, all of the really fun activities that the team does? Of course, we talked about some of the things that the team can do you can create separate channels and you can be more mm -hmm. conscious of entire team messages and sharing your thoughts with the whole team rather than with just one person. But what do you think about team building activities? Is there a possibility for, for hybrid team building? How do you or how have you managed to overcome this challenge? So at Huddle, we've done a lot in the past of I call it large scale team building. Um, we used to take the entire company to Las Vegas once a year. And this was a really great team building exercise. And a large part of that was because it felt like a vacation. We, we'd go out there, we'd spend three to four days out there. And during the day, we would do a lot of, I, I'd call them work activities. It might be like brainstorming about our company or our teams, things like that normal work retreat stuff. But then in the evenings, we were basically on vacation and we could hang out with our coworkers. We could meet and get to know other coworkers and do fun things. And I thought that worked really great for what it was. But then we did this interesting thing. We built this new headquarter building in Lincoln, Nebraska. And instead of going to Las Vegas that year, we brought everybody to Lincoln to enjoy this new building. And the goal was for it to feel the same or at least feel similar. It's hard to feel the same as Las Vegas, uh, but we at least wanted to feel similar uh, to those trips. And this, this was the moment when I realized there's a huge benefit to offsite retreats for team building versus onsite, like 
at one of the offices because here's what happened. Everybody, most everybody, I won't say everybody, but most everybody that lived in Lincoln, they did not treat it like a vacation. I certainly did not. They treated it like any other week where, except that there's more people in the office. But like any other week, I have obligations outside of my normal workday. You know, I came home to eat with my family every day. I wasn't going out to eat with coworkers. I did not find somebody to take care of my kids for the week. You know, when we did the Las Vegas trip, my wife and I, we would get somebody to watch the kids for several days so that we could go on this trip and enjoy our vacation, essentially. And that that freed us up to be able to do all of those fun things after the normal working hours. But when the retreat was on site in Lincoln, hardly anybody that lived in Lincoln did that. So we had our activities during the day that still felt kind of like work. And then the people that lived in Lincoln, they went home. And the people that had traveled into Lincoln, they just had other non-Lincoln folks to hang out with. I mean, they, they, they still got to have some fun, but it wasn't as good as when we did offsite retreats. So for the large scale retreats, I do believe that offsite is key. We also do smaller activities. You know, when there's not a pandemic going on, we try to allow our remote employees to visit headquarters uh, once or twice a year. And sometimes it's just a small team, say 10 people, they say, uh, remote people, when are you planning to come in? Uh, we'll plan some fun things to do. That usually works pretty well because there's a much tighter focus on, we have this small group of people, we have maybe like two or three people that are, that are traveling in and we want to entertain them for the week. We want to get to know them better and actually hang out. That usually works pretty good. When they're not traveling into the office, that's when it becomes a challenge. How do you do team building over the internet? And this is something that's kind of been a struggle over this pandemic. And I'm sure a lot of people have felt this, you know, how do you do effective team building just over Zoom? One thing that I found is at a large scale, I, I don't know if there's anything that works well. <laughs> as soon as you have a Zoom call with more than 10 people, nobody wants to participate. Yeah, it's so hard to get people to, to want to talk or even unmute themselves on a large Zoom call. And we've tried breaking people up into small Zoom calls. But another piece that we've found is there are a lot of people that maybe they get nervous or a little bit of anxiety just being on a Zoom call with a bunch of folks that they don't know already. And so that's not their idea of a fun team building exercise. Whereas if they were in person at a company event, then yeah, they could have fun with that. On a smaller scale, we found a few things that work okay, but none of them are as great as being in person. So we've tried out having game night, playing some online games together. That can be a challenge because it, it, it can just be hard to find a game that people feel engaged with. Another big piece is people are doing these things on their computer and there's a million distractions <laughs> on your computer. And so even then it's hard to be engaged with any Zoom call where you're trying to do team building. Whereas if we go out to a restaurant or maybe to a bowling alley or something with a team, there's really no distractions. You're there with your team. Uh, you, can, you can have all your focus on them. So yeah, the team building stuff in a hybrid environment can be a real challenge. Another story that I've got that kind of exemplifies this, how, how much of a challenge the balance is for a hybrid environment. I, I had one person on my team that was remote many years ago that after about a year of working with him, he, he left Huddle. And I, I asked him what happened. Like, why, why did you decide to leave? And he said, I saw all the really cool, really fun things that Huddle was doing in the office. And I wanted that. And he had thought about moving to Lincoln so that he could be a part of that. But he just couldn't make it work. He had too many family ties where he was located. And so he sought out a company, a local company that had a similar culture of doing fun things in the office. And after he left, I just kind of thought to myself, how much of this is our fault for bombarding him 
with all these advertisements and, and pictures and videos of these fun things we were doing, how much were we feeding that fear of missing out? Right. Because that was a big part of Huddle's culture was these fun things, but they were all in person. And so it seemed like every other week we were probably sending him something that says, here's a really fun thing for the Huddle employees. Oh, but you got to be in Lincoln <laughs> to be a part of that. And I started to think, well, I mean, I don't want to just hide it from him because that feels wrong, but that we probably shouldn't be shoving it in his face on a regular basis either. So since then, I feel like we've landed in a, a better spot now. We try to make our events visible in a way where if somebody is interested, if a remote person is interested to learn about it, it's easy to find it, which becomes very valuable when they're looking for times to visit headquarters. You know, a lot of times that can feel arbitrary. What time of the year do I want to go visit the HQ? But if you can go look at a calendar to see what kind of fun things might be going on, that, that can make it a little bit easier. Like a great example is just next week, we have our annual golf outing that we do where we, it's a very fun event. Some people get competitive, but for the most part, everybody's having fun. But that is an event that some of our remote people absolutely will plan their headquarters trip around. And so making stuff visible so that people can find out about it without feeding that fear of missing out on everything is pretty important. The other thing that we failed at completely with this guy that had left for another fun company was we weren't providing him anything for remote people for fun things. But again, that's like I said, that's a real struggle and we still haven't nailed that down quite so much. But back then we weren't even really trying, uh, which, which was our mistake. Right. With that said, of course, the pandemic has changed a lot of these things for, for most companies. Mm -hmm. But as the hopefully this pandemic is winding down and vaccinations are getting across the world and people are able to move about a little more. What I'm hearing you say is that for most team retreats and team building activities, it's really important for at least small groups to be in the same place. And as you said, the best is if the whole team is apart from their regular location so that they can mm -hmm. actually spend time with their coworkers or with their team. And what I heard you say is that maybe online team building events haven't quite caught on or I can't come up with anything that's really been as engaging as an offline event. Yeah, I would say one thing that my team did during the pandemic, which I think helped a lot, and maybe this is something that a lot of other teams, including hybrid teams, could do, is we called it water cooler meetings. We basically just scheduled 20 minutes, four days of the week, that was for chit-chat. Uh, it was a completely optional meeting. You didn't have to show up. But when people hopped on the Zoom call, we might play a quick online game. I know there's a website we used a lot. It was called Guess My Word. We play that or go play an online quiz or something, or just share some TikTok videos or something, or, or talk about weekend plans, things like that. People found that to be a really great break in the middle of the day when we're all working from home. Now, we haven't tried that much in a hybrid environment, and I don't know how well it would work there if you you know, if you have four people in office and two people remote, do those four people want to hop on a Zoom call to have chit chat with those two people? Or, you know, how, how often would it be that those four people hop on and the two remote people didn't hop on? You know, that would feel kind of silly. Uh, so then you would just hop off and probably go back to work. So I don't know if it would be as effective in the hybrid as it was in the fully remote. But I do think that these things are worth trying because I think if you don't try at all, it sends a diff much different message to those remote people than if you're actually making an effort. Right. And if you don't try it, it's never going to work. So you might as well give yourself a chance to try out some things. All right. Let's circle back a little bit to the skilled work part. And you mentioned the phone booths uh, within mm -hmm. the company where 
you said one person can stand in there and join a meeting or have a one-on-one with somebody who is remote. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of other tips can you tell us for perhaps pair programming or office setup or for raising awareness within the office to integrate the hybridly working colleagues or remotely working colleagues in a hybrid environment? Yeah, so the phone booths have been a big hit. Before we built our new headquarters building, we only had a handful of these and they got used a lot. And then we built this headquarters and we built what felt like quite a few phone booths and they're still always taken or they they were before the pandemic started. And, and people just wanted more of them because not only at this point, not only was Huddle hybrid, but we had several other offices around the world. And so you it's very likely that you would have a meeting with people just not in the office building with you. And those phone booths were great where you just, uh, you didn't have to worry about being too loud. You didn't have to worry about uh, anybody around you uh, disturbing them or, or overhearing things. Um, they've been really great for one-on-ones. Um, I always feel that it's very important to provide an environment where my reports feel they feel safe bringing up anything. And if I'm like sitting out in the open next to a bunch of other people, it sends a different message about, you know, what they should say or what they should be talking about versus when I'm in a phone booth where obviously nobody else can hear whatever they're saying. Um, so yes, those have been a really big hit. Uh, making sure that everybody has laptops and headsets has been huge. I remember when we first started getting remote employees, I actually had a desktop. And so it was a real challenge for me to even have a meeting away from my desk, which was out in the open. And as soon as I became a manager, that's when I was like, oh shoot, I need a laptop so that I can you know, go have these one-on-ones in these phone booths like this. And then eventually we moved everybody to the laptops. And so now it's pretty much second nature for somebody to just you know, unplug their laptop from their desk, go walk to a room and, and start a meeting. So these phone booths are fully insulated in a sense that you can stand right next to it and you won't be able to hear the conversation that's taking place inside. Right. Yep. Awesome. All right. What has been your experience with um, the community feel for the office part of work? My experience has been that people, as we are returning to the office, we are getting this overwhelming need for other mm-hmm. people's <laughs> attention and and to hang out and share some stories. How do you set up the office so that all of these needs can be met and also the work can be done? That's really interesting. I've recently started going back into the office most of my days. Um, and a large part of that is because it's, especially now that it's summertime and my kids are out of school, it's a better environment for me in the office than at home. There's a lot of distractions at home. And so a lot of us have recognized that it requires like this critical mass of of people to come back into the office in order for many people to feel that it's worth coming back into the office. If you're going to go back into the office, but you're the only one from your team there, it feels very similar to working remotely at home. And then people wonder like, why did I spend time driving into the office? Uh, And I actually, I, I had seen one person, one of my engineers, he came into the office and his the rest of his team did not. They said they were going to, but they did not come in. And he was like, I hate this. I'm going back home. <laughs> it was kind of that, why did I why did I come in for this? So we put a lot of effort into raising visibility of who's planning to come in when so that we can actually hit the critical mass and so that everybody else knows when the critical mass is happening. And so it's happened a few times. Several weeks ago, we had a day where my entire team came in. We have a, a couple people that they're not really remote, but they live about an hour away and, and they came in even. And that was great. And the funny thing is that first day when we were all back, we did not get hardly any work done because we all just wanted to catch up on everything. You know, Even though we've all been talking to each other over Zoom over the past year, it still felt like we had a lot to catch up on because we weren't. Uh, we were missing all of those conversations that were not work-related. And a lot of other teams in our office, they felt that too. They they pick a day, they all come back into the office, and then they don't get much done because they just want to like hang out and talk to each other and, and go eat at a restaurant or something. 
And so there's been those few days that have been really great and people really appreciated those days when they do get back in. And then they go back and work from home for the rest of the week and, and wait for the next critical mass of <laughs> when everybody decides that they're going to come in. And so, yeah, it's just this really weird dynamic where only a small handful of people want to come into the office for the sake of coming into the office, like me, for example, and everybody else, are, they're waiting for that culture to be back, the, the fun excitement of the office to be back. I know for Huddle in particular, before the pandemic, one of our biggest uh, perks was free lunch. Uh, Huddle in, in our biggest offices has always provided free lunch. Obviously, once the pandemic started, there's no lunch in the office. And since I've been back, they still have not brought back free lunch. And it sounds silly, but lunch is like the biggest friction point for a lot of these people to come back to the office. They don't want to bring their lunch. And a lot of the options, a lot of the good lunch restaurant options around the office actually closed down during the pandemic. So there's not a lot of great options around us anymore. Mm-hmm. And so people talk about that being another trigger. You know, once lunch comes back, then we'll come back. We'll get that. We'll get that culture back, um, and, and things will be back to normal. So, would you say that? Because it sounded like, in your opinion, it might be that it's worth for the company to have that one day when an entire team comes back and they socialize more than they work, because they can get that feel of belonging. Yes, absolutely. I know speaking for myself that that first day when a lot of people were back, something just kind of switched in my head because at the beginning of this, I mentioned there were a lot of people that didn't think they could work remotely and they worked remotely for a year and they thought, yeah, I could do this. And I was one of those people that thought, yeah, I could do this. And then that first day back with the whole team was like, no, I can't, I can't work remotely. I got to have this at least, you know, on some regular interval. Uh, so I think that there is a lot of value in that, just having people back and, and not expecting them to be super productive that day. You know, the productivity will come back eventually anyway, but if you just get people to come back and, and hang out with their coworkers and catch up, the level of engagement or, or that feeling of engagement with the company, it, it shoots way up for, for at least a little while. Let's talk about retention, because you have mentioned Mm -hmm. that you had this one colleague who was kind of jealous of the on-site co-workers because you had so many fun activities. And you said that this information is now available to people who are planning to, Mm -hmm. to travel to headquarters or to any office, I assume. What are some other ways that you can point out to our listeners that help companies retain those great employees who are working from home, but in a hybrid environment? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we lean on is the managers. So our our management style, we do very regular one-on-ones. So I do bi-weekly one-on-ones. And, you know, if the manager recognizes that this remote person, they don't get a lot of opportunity for non-work-related conversation, the manager needs to realize that they should probably work some of that in to their one-on-ones. You know, this is something that I do. I actually do it with all of my uh, engineers, but I especially started it for some of my remote engineers where I have this giant list of like get-to-know-you questions, just fun questions that aren't related to work at all. And every one-on-one, we spend probably 10 to 15 minutes talking about one of those questions and just kind of working that into the schedule time, you know, just getting very explicit about this is time where we're not going to talk about a work thing. We're going to try to talk about a fun thing. And a large part of that is to build up relationships. And so as a remote person, if you're not uh, creating connections like meaningful relationships with other coworkers, it can feel very difficult to feel like part of the team, to feel engaged with the company. And it can feel very easy to just go look for a different job that has slightly better pay or slightly better benefits. Right now, 
the market is so crazy for for hiring engineers that it's difficult for any one company to really compete for those remote remote employees. And so it does take some real effort uh, to improve engagement for those remote workers to make making sure that they feel satisfied with the work they're doing, make sure that they feel good about their team, that they feel included. And a lot of that is on the managers to gauge that over time and, and to try to do something about it if it sounds like it's not working very well. So it's not really with questionnaires or with any sort of company-wide conversation like that. It's more like throughout the one-on-ones, you kind of try to create a picture for yourself to see how the engineers on your team are doing. Is there anything that you can share that fellow engineering managers can take away? Like, do you work together with other engineering managers and share tips or share how you overcome some of the challenges within the team? Yeah, so within our chapter, we do quarterly performance evaluation calibration amongst all the managers. And one piece of that is talking about flight risk. We talk about from a manager's perspective, on a, on a scale from one to three, how likely do I think that this person could leave within the next year? Something like that. And in there, sometimes we get some good conversations about our remote workers that they're not feeling engaged with their work. So that is good for any one manager to get a picture of what's going on across the chapter. On a slightly smaller scale, um, each of our business units or departments, I believe you know, all the managers within that group meet regularly. I know my business unit, we all the managers meet monthly. I call it a manager support group. <laughs> we talk about stuff like that, about how are people feeling? Uh, one of the hot topics right now is how are people feeling about coming back to the office? One of the burning questions we had is, is, is there anybody that doesn't want to come back to the office at all? They want to be strictly remote. And if so, how do we deal with that? For my business unit in particular, we try to only have people in Lincoln or nearby Lincoln because we work so closely with other business units like marketing, sales, finance, who they are all in the headquarters. And so it's important that we can be in person with them. So you know, when we start talking about what happens after this pandemic and if anybody wants to work remote or for those people that maybe they only want to come into the office one or two days a week, how do we best support them? So yes, managers getting together, sharing tips is vital. I'd say at a company level, making it clear to the managers that they are the front line for a lot of this stuff, that they are the ones that will get the best reads on how individuals are feeling. They will have the best ideas of what they can do for any one individual to improve their engagement. So yeah, at a company level, we also do surveys to try to gauge it, but I don't think that we typically try to come away with solutions at the company level. I think that's best handled at the, the management level. Thank you. Thank you very much. As we are approaching the end of our conversation, it really sounds like we didn't touch engineering very specifically. So my understanding is that a lot of the engineering work can be done remotely or in a hybrid environment. You can build phone booths and you can do pair programming or you can work from home on your code and you can just kind of satisfy the needs of the day-to-day. But we talked a lot about the social needs of people and the belonging and the engagement to the company. And it sounds like your stance is that it really has to be coordinated from the manager's level and Mm -hmm. that it is a lot of soft skills that managers have to use, paying attention to the team members, raising awareness of how it feels to be in a hybrid team if you're on the Mm -hmm. wall and paying attention to each other within the team and sharing messages in in the open Slack chat. And so this is 
level up engineering and we we (laughs) usually talk about engineering and leadership but it sounds like once again we we have to point to those soft skills and and say those are some of the vital things to integrate remote engineers in a hybrid team yeah i i think that's exactly it a quick saying would be it's easy to hire a remote engineer it's difficult to retain a remote engineer and i think that's because you know there's so many remote engineers out there it's it's easy to find one it's easy to sell them on a lot of ideas about the company but as soon as they come on if they're not feeling engaged with the company it's it's easy for them to find something else and try again for for a better company and i think that in reality for a lot of those remote engineers, they're going to look for things more than base salary and, and simple benefits. They're, they, yeah, they're, we're all social creatures. We need, we need something more than that. Right. And especially with this pandemic, there is a lot of competition for those remote engineers because most companies have realized that they can function fully with remote colleagues. Awesome. Thank you so much for this conversation. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on and you'd like our listeners to hear or you'd like to share? No, I think we touched on everything pretty pretty good. The one key takeaway, I think, is for anybody that's about to go back into the office to a company that was not really supporting remote before but is now going to support hybrid, just you know, keep up your awareness of these things. I, I think, like I said before, there's a trap there of companies just assuming that they can make hybrid work because they made fully remote work. It'll be up to a lot of the individuals in the office to actually make that work, to make their company be remote friendly. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, dearest listeners, if you take that to heart, feel free to share it with us. Where can our listeners follow you or follow your work? LinkedIn is the the best place to find me. Uh, Again, Greg Dick. I'm also on Twitter, uh, G, G underscore the underscore engineer. You'll also see a lot of my my old video game console stuff there, but uh, I do occasionally from time to time talk about management and I'm always happy to talk with others on there. How awesome. Thank you. I'm sure that a lot of people will be interested uh, in the consoles as well. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us today. Dearest listeners, thank you for staying with us and thank you for following Level Up Engineering. I am Carolina Tot. Today, my guest was Greg Dick, a software engineering manager from Huddle. And uh, we talked about integrating remote engineers and we shared some great tips about how to make teams aware and uh, people pay more attention and pay attention to the information flow that might happen and how to do team retreats. So thank you for staying with us. Thank you for joining us and um, I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.